You're listening to Speak Loud, resilient stories of triumph and hope, helping you to turn your past into fuel for your best future. Here's your host, founder of the 501c3 Share, providing resource and support for trauma victims, and a survivor herself, Tiffany Barnes. Welcome to another episode of the Speak Loud podcast. As always, I am your host, Tiffany Barnes, and thank you for joining me here today. I have a lovely lady with me. Her name is Christine Baird, and in talking with her previous to the record button, she's here in Salt Lake City, so she really should be in-house. Maybe we need to do another episode. Hmm. Anyways, we'll have to think about that. Uh, But she's here in Salt Lake City, not far from me. We're probably within like five miles of each other, uh, give or take. And she's got a phenomenal story. She's got a really cool background, uh, very career oriented. She's done some really cool things. She's actually a producer of a podcast. And on top of that, she uh, she's thinking about getting a fur baby. We talked about that as well. Uh, but she worked under Lewis Howes in the School of Greatness for four years. She helped him grow his podcast. She knows what it takes to get a message out there to the masses. So without further ado, please welcome Christine Baird. Oh, thank you. I actually do feel like we're almost in the same room. I'm like, I am five miles down the road, but I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Tiffany. Of course. Thank you for joining me here on this lovely Thursday, although it's going to be a Friday when we when we release. But uh, it's a nice day outside. We're here in August or no, September. My goodness, September, the (laughs) month of flannel and uh what do they call it? the pumpkin spice lattes mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so although i gotta admit girl i'm not a fall person really i'm not a fall person i'm not a i'm not a winter person i know i live in the wrong state <laughs> i hate snow okay and the reason i don't like fall is because it's like right before winter it tells yes. me winter is coming yeah so how do you feel about snow I don't mind it. And this was a surprise to me because I had lived in Utah as a kid. Then I moved away for like 10 years in my adult life, Dallas, LA, all these places without snow. And then three years ago, I moved to Salt Lake and I was like, wow, this is going to be hard. Brace yourself. Snow, (laughs) cold. And the first winter I was here, I was completely fine. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize I was so well suited to cold weather because I'd been gone from it for so long. And lo and behold, my body's fine with it. Although in Dallas, you probably got a lot of ice storms. Ice storms are so real. And I had never experienced them till I lived in Dallas. It is a wild weather pattern there. They are, it's tornadoes, ice storms, like hail storms. It is such an interesting place. (laughs) Wow. A good place to be a roofer though. No, (laughs) totally quite literally like roofing and car, like windshield hood replacement is a massive industry there. I bet. So you're not born and raised in Utah, not born and raised in Utah. I'm just a little citizen of the U S of a, I've literally lived like (laughs) in every part of the country, never had a hometown, And the last three years I've been in Salt Lake and I really love it, but I like, I I don't know. People can't remember where I'm from. My best friends can't remember where I'm from because it's like not a through line, like America. (laughs) 
You're like, I'm just American. I'm from everywhere. Have you visited all of the states? No, I have not. I mean, I've been blessed to go to a lot of them, but I haven't kept track. There's definitely some I haven't been to, but not Mm. a lot. I think I've been to most, to be honest. And do you have a favorite place you've been to in the United States? It's so tough because I'm kind of like a bloom where you're planted kind of a lady, but I... There is something so magical about like upstate New York back East. And I don't know if it's because it's like so green and beautiful and wooded and there's like plenty of water, but there, like, I feel like when you go back there and you like feel kind of the oldness of this very young country, I love it every time. So if I had to pick, I'd maybe say back East, not that I've like lived there since I was 10, but you know. Yeah. I love Savannah, Georgia. That's my favorite. Oh my gosh. Savannah is so special. Right. Yeah. I love it for what you said too, like the green and the moss that hangs from the trees. And there's like a little park, every block and the food and the people. It's such a great place. I want to spend a lot more time in the deep South. I had several years in Texas, which I loved, but Texas is its own place. Like it is its own kind of (laughs) South. And every time I've gone to like deep South, I'm like, this is an extraordinary place with like such a complex history, but like what it's evolving into is like amazing and all the more powerful because of like the craziness that, you know, was part of its founding. So I think it's one of the most interesting places in the world. Yeah, I love Texas. I worked for a company out of San Antonio for 10 years, so I spent quite a bit of time. Yes. Yeah. Wow. A cool place. Although the humidity makes my hair a little crazy. Oh, man. The humidity (laughs) is something else. Yeah. Anyways, we went off on a tangent. As you know, there's no script to this show. We just talk about life. And in conjunction with talking about life, I want to know, what are you here to speak loud about? Uh, Well, since you asked, (laughs) one of the (laughs) things I'm most passionate about speaking loud about is the concept of owning our worth, self-worth, the idea of innate worth that has nothing to do with like results or whether or not you can prove. And this came to me a few years ago. So a really brief backstory of kind of how I got into what I do. I was a totally normal millennial. I like went to college, got a corporate job straight out of school, was sitting in a cubicle selling insurance for like 10 hours a day with a little like salary and 401k in Dallas, Texas, like totally normal. And then it was like 2013, Podcasts were like just coming back. Like nobody knew what they were. I started listening to them and I was completely hooked, like obsessed. And I started listening to all of these like lifestyle, self-development, wellness, entrepreneurship shows. And I just drank the Kool-Aid. I was like, this is, I didn't know people lived a different way. I thought everyone just had like a corporate job in a cubicle. So long story short, I had like a quarter life crisis and I woke up one day and was like, this is it. I'm leaving corporate life. I'm going to go do the other thing. And I had no idea what that meant. So I cold emailed the host of one of these shows I've been listening to called the school of greatness. And I like convinced him to hire me, which is a whole other story. I quit my job. I moved to Los Angeles, which where he was based. I learned a new career on the job, producing, editing, like being a part of the whole machine of like a high level kind of celebrity podcast. And I was there for four years. And during that process, 
I was exposed to like some of the most famous, successful people in the world. That was who came on this show, like telling the stories of how they became great. And so I would sit in the studio as the producer. I'd be like just off camera. And I would be listening to these like Olympians, billionaires, best-selling authors, world-renowned therapists, whoever. And I was like, there is a through line going on here. Like no matter how successful someone is, every single one of them had a rock bottom moment a reckoning with their worth and like a key decision where they like made a pivot and decided I am going to follow the calling that I feel is on my life. And I'm going to own my worth before anyone else does like before I have any results to prove it. And I just became so interested because at the same time I was doing a ton of work on myself. I was like living in LA. I was taking like every self-development workshop, going to every like woo-woo drum circle thing, you know, as you do. <laughs> and so I was having a big like revolution in my own life around my own worth, kind of stripping away all these years of like a really intense corporate sales job where like literally your value is based on how much insurance you sold that day stripping away years of being in like a long distance relationship that was never meant to be. He was gay. Like, you know, just like layers and layers of like pretending everything was fine when it wasn't. And so out of all of that experience was born kind of my hobby, which was this podcast I started called Worthful Project. And I came up with this idea, Worthful, to communicate the concept that we have an innate worth within all of us. Like, the kind we come into the world with, right? The little babies. Like we look at a baby, we're like, you're so full of worth. And all they do is cry. Like they've done nothing to prove themselves. I was like, why don't we have a word for the kind of worth that has nothing to do with like your net worth, your results, how good you scored, you know? And so I was like, well, I'm going to call it worthful. This idea that we're already always full of worth And I just started exploring that concept on my podcast and I kind of evolved it into a blog. And then I ended up stepping down as producer of that show after four years, taking a breather, moved to Salt Lake City three years ago, started my own boutique podcast agency. And through the years, I've realized like this is really a passion of mine because what happens when we own our worth is that we actually show up and contribute our best work to the world because we know like we have it in us and it's not about perfection or results or glamor. It's about like, I'm here to do something and I'm going to do it and I'm going to evolve along the way. And so that's what I love to speak loud about. That's fantastic. So in your timeline now, you ha- do you still have your own show of some sort? Yeah. So I still have Worthful Project. It's in its fourth season. This season I did all affirmation episodes. Literally, I just show up and record an affirmation. Um, And I also co-host another podcast with one of my peers from the podcast industry. So we teach people how to podcast. So I'm, I'm in for the long haul. I'm too obsessed with podcasts to let them go. That is amazing. So what was the last affirmation you just released? The last one I released, it was last week. I do them every other week this season. Um, It was, I called it, I know. And this one was all about like the intense trauma the world is experiencing right now. Like Mm. I was just totally overwhelmed. I'm sure everyone is like the amount of chaos and tragedy going on right now. Just like, it's, it's too much. And I was like, how do I speak into this? And so I just recorded an affirmation, like, I know 
things are dark and heavy. And also I know that like our worth will lead us through this. So, so what are what are you doing personally? Sorry, I interrupted you. I try no, not to do that. No, go right <laughs> so, ahead. So what are you doing personally to get through these times? You're right. It's dark times. Uh, I don't know about you. I, I use time hop on my phone. Mm-hmm. And so it'll like remind me what happened a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And yesterday I was looking at it. And do you remember that big storm that came through yes. like the cat three winds? Yes. I had a house that got crushed by a tree oh, in this storm. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So like that all came rushing back yesterday and I'm like, oh my gosh, a year ago. And then it shows me two years prior and I was in Nice, France in the French Riviera. Oh my so I'm gosh. like, wow, what a difference a year makes. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing today? Right. So yeah. just the last two years, it kind of like hit me, you know, punched me in the face, if you will. And was like, whoa, these last two years have changed so much, you know, from just vacationing on the beach in the French Riviera to house getting crushed. And I had some videos on there of like my neighbor's aspen tree about ready to fall on my house and her house and yeah just uh, you know there's so much devastation the obviously covid and yeah people losing their jobs and our economy and so what advice do you have to help people keep that worth and keep their head up and have that positivity that's like what i think about every day right now because part of the privilege of the work i get to do is like all of my clients are like extraordinary people who are a lot of them coaches and speakers and authors so one of the perks of being a podcast producer is you get paid to listen to great people talk and awesome one of the things that's really landed for me over this last year and a half two years of just it's literally just felt like a complete dismantlement right of like our systems our assumptions our matrixes if you will And I felt it really, really deeply. I felt the weight of like the privilege I enjoy and the weight of responsibility to make things better for people. And I've thought a lot about this idea of resilience, which I know you talk about a lot. And I've been thinking even these last couple of weeks, just between like Afghanistan and Haiti and New Orleans and California and like, it's just like nonstop right now. And I was like, The thing I know from studying self-worth is that our ability to be resilient through devastation is a tale as old as time. Like, it seems like we're in such horrible times and we are, but it has been so much worse at other times in history and humans have found a way to keep going. And that's been so powerful for me. And the way it connects in my head to worth is... I feel like when we have everything stripped away from us, whether it's your home because you've been displaced by war or fire or earthquake or whatever, or it's your emotional well-being, like a relationship has disintegrated, your physical health has come apart, maybe your financial stability because of the pandemic or whatever, your identity, like your job changed and that was your identity. I know in my bones at this point that no matter what happens externally, our worth is intact always. And I think what happens when devastation comes to our door is it strips away all the illusions of like where our worth is based. And it reminds us if we're willing and asterisks, this takes time, be patient with yourself and compassionate. Like there's layers to grief. But I think what happens, one of the layers of grief is realizing 
my worth was never based on that relationship, that house, that salary, that identity. My, my actual worth is intact no matter what. And I've really clung to that these last few weeks, especially when I've just been so overwhelmed looking at images of people, literally like their entire life has been taken away from them. And I've just been like, how do I send them or support them in remembering like, I see your worth and I know your worth is not tied to like the identity you just lost. And I think that that's just essential for us all right now, because I also think it's the root of empathy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how we connect to people who've experienced something that like, we can't imagine. Like I remember that storm a year ago because uh, my neighborhood was one of the neighborhoods that hit the hardest. We were out of power for a week. Like literally the power lines around our house got taken down, Wow! like ripped off the power from our house. So we were out of power for a week and it was like a pretty extraordinary experience. But one of the things I remember from that was like, as soon as something's taken away, it puts perspective on what I still have. And I just remember having so much gratitude that week where I was like, we're okay. The weather's fine. We don't need power right now. We like, my husband and I would like go to bed at like 8 PM when it got dark and just like <laughs> listen to podcasts in bed. Like it was a really special time to remember, like, it's okay to have external things taken. If I am grounded in like, who I am regardless. And so I think that's become like one of my lifelines truly during a time that feels so overwhelming, like this as devastating and horrific as it is, this is a time to let some of the pieces of my identity be burned that really were just illusions anyway. And I know that sounds kind of like meta and spiritual and like you know, whatever, how does that help me when like my loved one is dying in the hospital? But it's like, that is the truth. And I think we all have a reckoning with that throughout our lives. And, and I think that's why it's so important to listen to each other and really hear each other's stories because we're all learning the same lessons in different ways. I loved what you said about being grounded. It's so true. So I didn't lose power for a week. I did lose power for maybe four days. And I had just stocked my fridge with $300 worth of groceries. (laughs) So I had to throw all these groceries away. But I'm like, okay, I'm boohooing about $300 worth of groceries when there's people who would kill to have $10 for groceries, right? And so it puts things into perspective. But not only that. I remember when the power company came and was able to restore power and I was nowhere in near in the situation you were in. I didn't have down power lines around me or whatever. I'm close to Liberty Park, which, you know, Mm, Liberty Park. We lost 100 plus year old trees. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's my favorite park. I'm a cyclist. Mm. I love to cycle around that park. And just seeing that, like, I just literally cried seeing that for those trees, you know, and um Anyhow, what I was getting at is I remember all the neighbors, we were out on our front porches and we were clapping for these these men and women that came by that restored our power because we were like, ah, we have power again. And I remember doing a post about it, how much we take power for granted, how much Mm -hmm. we take our freedom for granted, how much we take what, you know, so many things that we have in our daily life that we can get so woe is me or things seem so heavy And um, that's part of resilience, too. I think perspective is really a part of resilience and just kind of like taking into account the gratitudes that we have, 
you know, well, I still have my health, as you said, or you know, I've still got a roof over my head or, you know, a, a place to sleep and things like that that's safe. So I think that's really key. And I love what you said there about being grounded. That's so, so important. But I want to ask totally. you some questions um, as far as like your upbringing. Did you have a really good childhood? Did you have very kind parents, very loving parents? Mm-hmm. Kind of like, what was your childhood like for you as far as worth goes? Did you yeah. feel confident? Did you feel that you had a, a sense of worth at a young age? I love this question because I think it's like so revelatory for all of us. I think if any of us take a moment and if you're listening right now, like feel free to do this with us, like think back to like moments you distinctly remember a shift in your self-identity because I think we all go through them no matter who we are. And it's very revelatory because I had like really so many beautiful cards dealt to me, like really loving parents who were present and together and provided and like wonderful brothers. Like I really won a lottery in a lot of ways. And also, as we all know, that doesn't exclude you from trauma. That doesn't exclude you from really huge challenges. Like no matter how rosy your, your hand was, like we all experience it. And so one of the key moments that I've looked back to many times is despite the support and goodness that I was given, I remember the difference that happened between fifth and sixth grade. And it's so clear and obvious because if you look at my fifth grade picture, I'm like this cute little girl with like long hair and like, I think probably like some kind of floral, you know, top and like a headband. (laughs) And then if you look at my sixth grade picture, it still makes me giggle. I'm like, cut my hair really short. I have glasses. I'm wearing a literal navy blue sweater vest. With like a little, like a white, it looks like I'm wearing a school uniform. I did not go to a school that required school uniforms. And it is like so obvious something happened. Like this girl had an identity shift between fifth and sixth grade. And I'm just pointing this out as like, it's not that dramatic, but I've thought about that often because I think that was the chapter in my life where I had just enough maturity sometime between fifth and sixth grade, like my emotional maturity, kind of my awareness of social constructs had evolved to the point where I realized there is something not safe about being pretty and being like attractive. I think nothing major happened. It was like societally, I had picked up on the messaging at that point. It's not safe to be pretty as a girl. You can either be pretty and kind of get all that attention, or you can be smart And then you won't get the attention, but you can kind of like get ahead and fly under the radar. And guess what Christine chose? (laughs) She chose smart because I was like, I don't know if I can be pretty forever, but I know I'm smart. And so I literally like cut my hair, started dressing like I don't even know, like a little (laughs) student or something. And ever like I was so quiet. I was such a good little student. And I just put all my eggs in that basket And so I think about like, as I think about like challenges I face, traumas, like my behaviors, the stories I made up about my worth and that like, it wasn't safe to be beautiful. Like I remember, like, obviously I wasn't conscious of the time. That's what I was, but as an adult doing my own work, kind of digging back in, I realized like there was a moment I decided purely from like the greater collective trauma of women in our society it's not safe to be beautiful, but I can be smart. And then I'll like kind of be able to control. So that was one of the most, I like, as the years have passed and I've been like, where did my erosion of self-worth start? 
I really feel like it kind of started in that like entering adolescence where I just, nobody told, talked to me about this. There wasn't like a dramatic moment. I just decided it's not safe to be beautiful. I better be smart instead. And it wasn't until my like mid to late twenties that I even started to unpack the effects of that. And like how much that had impacted all my decisions for like 10 years. Um, and I think it's so interesting because again, kind of to your point, I know that a lot of what you've discussed on this show is people who've experienced like unbelievable challenges. It wasn't that for me. It was like the narrative that was being taught subconsciously was enough for me to be like, I'm going to hide. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to fly under the radar. I'm going to be shy. And I'm just going to like pour my eggs into the smart basket. There has to be something though that you saw, I mean, looking back, think about this, in that fifth grade, sixth grade transition, mm -hmm. like, did you see a pretty girl in class or different girls in your yeah. school that got treated a certain way because they were in that box of pretty? Yeah, totally. And you know what, now that you mention it, this is another funny little tidbit. And this is why I think it's a helpful practice to like, let your own mind go back to like, what did I remember? I was very observant. Like I've always been like a good little observer and listener. I would notice the like back pocket design on everyone's jeans. And I figured out like which back pocket design matched to which store. And I was like, oh, that's a status symbol. Like the pretty girls <laughs> who are popular, they have like American Eagle jeans or Abercrombie. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. Abercrombie? Yeah. And I remember noticing them because I was so observant. And I think even at a young age, I was pretty kind of emotional. I was an empath. So I kind of picked up on emotions and I was like, the girls who get attention are like pretty and they wear the certain brands and they have this like social grace. But I also was starting to put together like they get a lot of attention from boys, like more so than I wanted because I was still, and I think you're right. It was just like starting to realize the social constructs and be like, this doesn't feel safe. Like mm -hmm. this doesn't feel like it's okay to just be me because there's like a hierarchy and this is the attention that they're getting. And, and I don't think I can handle that. So yeah, there, there's definitely always more that I think our minds are doing than we realize. And mine definitely was. Wow. Yeah. I remember that too. Like, like growing up, you know, I thought, Oh, I want to be a cheerleader because you know, they're so popular and they, yes. you know, they get all this attention. And, and I was the same way. I was like nerdy. Well, I don't know if you were nerdy. <laughs> I shouldn't label no, you. <laughs> I, no, I was like, I loved reading and I was like smart and I knew I was. Yeah. Yeah. I was super nerdy and I really thrived on the attention I got from teachers Mm -hmm. Giving me those like atta girls, you know, those gold stars, mm -hmm. uh, a job that I had worked. Um, remember, I told you, I think prior to us hitting record that I traveled a bunch. Yeah. And working for that company out of San Antonio. The guys I worked with only men. I was the only yeah. woman. And um, I mean, that kind of says a lot, I guess, maybe about my personality. Yep. And um, they'd always tease me like, oh, do you need a gold star for that? Uh, and, and it was like picking at me, you know, and that's kind of how I was as a kid is I loved getting those gold stars because I didn't get it at home. Yeah, I didn't get it from mom and dad. 
um, you know, and I school was a refuge for me. It was a way for me to excel. And so I think having the teacher say, here's your Atta girl, you know, and getting those yeah. gold stars were really important. But I see it now. I mean, what, I'm 39 years old. Mm-hmm. So what, this was thir- in my mid 30s. I was experiencing this in the corporate world in yeah. a sense, you know, and so totally, you, I still have that little inner child inside of me a little bit that was reflecting out to them that they picked up on that gold star thing. Completely. And I think that's, what's so powerful about doing your own work as we call it, or just like studying emotional intelligence, becoming self-aware is that we're, none of us are exempt. Like the amount of decisions I made kind of, like I said, between fifth grade and like my late twenties, because I had decided it wasn't safe to be beautiful and it wasn't safe to like get all the attention it, it affected everything, right? It affected like my career choices and who I dated and how I showed up at work. And I also worked with a ton of guys like in a pretty competitive, intense sales environment. And it was a really interesting experience because, you know, I, I mean, I think that sales jobs can be great, but I happened to be in one where it was like pretty dog eat dog. And like, there was a lot of that toxic, you know, kind of mentality. And it, it literally didn't occur to me (laughs) that like, this wasn't a good environment because I was like, this is what smart people do. Like I'm a smart girl and smart girls get into like intense jobs that like really push them. And you got to keep up with the guys. And it took me years to realize like, Christine, this in no way plays to your core strengths. And like, you actually couldn't care less about making another sale. (laughs) Like the narrative just kept going and going and going until there was, yeah, a, a moment of truth which for me came through listening to other people tell their stories on podcasts. And I was like, Oh wait, (laughs) I resonate so much more with these strangers on these podcasts than these guys I've been working with for years who absolutely love making another sale. And I'm like, Oh, this is a, this is an identity shift. Turns out I am a smart girl, but not like that. And also turns out I'm beautiful and it's okay to be beautiful. And that, that's a work still in progress. Like I'll notice myself sometimes still to this day, 34 years old, married, like running my own business. And I'll have moments where I like look in my closet and I'm like, Oh, I should put on that cute dress. And then I'll like be like, "Mm, I don't know. Like it literally feels vulnerable. Mm. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Still got some stuff there. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, like I say, you're 34, I'm 39. We're still working on ourselves. So people listening to this, we're not here to say life is rainbows and roses. And there's a flip that switches. I always (laughs) say a switch that flips. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was funny. Uh, A flip. Oh my gosh. I just did it again. I do that all the time. Flips. And all of a sudden, you know, trauma no longer affects you. That's Never. not the case. You know, uh-uh. it's always a work in progress. Speaking of a work in progress, though, you changing that narrative, as you put it, what modalities have you used? You know, have you used more, you know, Eastern, Western, mm-hmm. you know, kind of give us an insight into what's worked for you? Yeah, I think it's so helpful to hear different because not there's not a one size fits all by right. any means. And I right. think when people like promote like this is how to cure everything it's like yeah "Mm, that worked for you (laughs) so what worked for me was 
I kind of had this moment of truth. Like I said, I had an epiphany. I was like, I'm going to leave the corporate world. I I knew the job was toxic. I knew it wasn't the right fit for me. And I'd been in this long-term relationship over the years. It was like a whole saga. And I was like, this is clearly coming to an end. Like I'm at empty. And so one of the first things I did was go to therapy for the first time in my life, just totally normal talk therapy. This is like massive for me. I got a referral from a friend. Like it was like, very baby steps. And then the next step was I hired my first kind of like coach. Um, He like coached me on kind of like business life for about six months. Then when I moved to LA, because of the industry I worked in, my client was very well connected with like some of the best coaches and programs for like self-development. So he sent me to like a four month training program around leadership and emotional intelligence. And it was like, pretty intense. Like I would say it was not for the faint of heart, but I was ready for it. Like I was already in a life revolution. So I spent like four months, like really committed. It was like weekly meetings, coaches, phone calls, like weekend workshops. Like I really went deep. And then once I completed that, I had a really, you know, amazing experience because I was working in a space where I was exposed to all these incredible teachers. So I was listening to a ton of podcasts where people were coaching and that really was profound for me. And then at the same time, I was doing my own work with coaches. So coaching for me was very powerful. I loved going to like a formal training program, but what ended up happening out of that was that I developed a lot of really good friendships with people i gone through these training programs with, and they became like amazing accountability partners. Like to this day, I still have a weekly buddy call. We call it my, one of my really good friends and I, who met in one of these training programs, we've been doing this for like four or five years. And every week we have a call for accountability. Like here's my goals this week in each area of my life. Here's what I'm celebrating. Just like really basic stuff that if I hadn't had that structure, I don't think I ever would have incorporated it. So for me, it was worth it for a few years to like invest deeply, like therapy, coaching, workshops, training programs, accountability calls. And after a few years, it kind of got embedded into my system. And now it's my default. So by the time I left LA, kind of came out to Utah, I'm not in any sort of formal practice right now. Like I don't have a current coach or something, not that I don't want one. It's just times and seasons, (laughs) but it's been really helpful for me because that's my personality. Like that's how I thrive. And so this might be resonating with you and it might not, if you're listening, you might be like, that sounds amazing. Or you might be like, oh no, but it was really powerful for me to invest. Like that was the key thing is I invested in coaches who would literally be there for me every step of the way. And not like in a, I got you girl. Like sometimes it was that, but often it was like, Um, I hear your ego coming out and I hear you telling an old story. You said you didn't want that anymore. What are you doing today? And I'd be like, (laughs) ego strikes again, like making a new decision. Um, So that was really profound for me. And it's, it's definitely kind of shifted the whole way that I interact with myself, the world, my work. Um, And, and I know there's a bunch of great programs. I don't think there's one you're supposed to go to, but I think they're amazing if you are ready to commit and like truly experience change. 
I agree with you on that. I've been through some programs myself, but as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, okay, I know in in the audience, there's people who have just come out of a domestic violence situation and they're barely able to feed themselves and their kids. So let's say they don't have the money to invest in a program of, of yeah. sorts, you know, have there been any books or things that you can do yes. that are a lot less, you know, they're more cost effective, I guess you could say for, yes. for those people out there. I'm such a fan of this. I think it's one of the things that I struggle with in like the online coaching industry, which is sort of the industry I've been in because that's who my clients are. I think it's so irresponsible the way so many people like sell their thing is like, this is the way I'm like, no, it's not. It's a way. And mm-hmm. it's really good for people who have the cash for it. Sure. <laughs> so if you are in a situation where you are literally just getting through the day, my absolute favorite resource or podcasts, no one's surprised to hear this, but one, they're <laughs> completely free. Yeah. Like, even if you just have access to the internet, like you don't even have to have like a fancy phone. And one of some of my favorites that have literally gotten me through some of the toughest times in my life are the Rich Roll podcast, all about like recovery, spirituality, self-development, like some of the best conversations I've ever heard in my life, still to this day, my favorite podcast. Um, and then there's so many other incredible ones. I could go on and on and on. There's amazing therapists, like licensed, credentialed, well-known therapists who have free podcasts and it's literally like free therapy. So I would say just like start exploring podcasts because you would be amazed by the amount of incredible high quality content being put out by like incredibly experienced professionals. And then I think book wise, I mean, I've read a few and it really does depend on the situation you're in, but here's what I would recommend start paying attention to what your curiosity is leading you towards. Because if you've become curious, like if you've heard a friend offhandedly mention so-and-so's book or so-and-so said this thing, that's a sign. It's Mm -hmm. a sign you're ready to start exploring an idea. So versus rather than me just like spout off a bunch of books, like I could go on and on, but like I want you to get curious and follow the little tiny things that you find throughout the day, because that will lead you to the people who are ready for you to hear from. And it's not a one size fits all. Like, don't feel like you're supposed to go to so-and-so's event and have a transformational experience. You're on your own path and your worth, literally your intuition, your worth is going to lead you to the things that you're ready for. Um, But yeah, I think podcasts are incredible. I'm personally a huge fan of Rich Roll. I also think Um, One of the best books I've ever read for healing and understanding like the core of how to really reckon with trauma is, and this isn't like unique to me, but um, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. It's like mind blowing. And he is a doctor who breaks down what trauma actually is doing and how our bodies store it. And it's a little heavy. It's a little dense. Like it's, it's a, you know, a doctor has written it, but it will forever change how you think about the way you've experienced trauma. And I think it's a really powerful um, place to start. I mean, Brene Brown is amazing. So yes, I love to state her. the obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything she's, got Brene some, does? she's got stuff on Netflix right now too. She's released like three or four Netflix. Uh, totally. Specials. She's got podcasts. She's got Netflix. She just announced a new book coming out. Yeah. So 
Brene's Brene's always there for us. I'm with you. I love the Ritual podcast. I'm also a huge fan. Obviously, the Speak Loud podcast. Totally. <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah, we have experts come on. Actually, the last time we had Joe Dennis on, uh, he's one of the main therapists for Share, a nonprofit that I run for wow. abused women and children. He talks a lot about Vander Kolk, and he studied the you know a lot with the Body Keeps a Score and all these methods that Vander Kolk has. Vander Kolk yeah. has a uh, has taught so i'm with you on that as well yeah and i didn't even think podcasts of course podcasts it's a great resource and i would also say like journaling i don't know about you but for me when i went through a lot of trauma um and obviously um based on the story you've given us maybe yours hasn't been as intense as others um but i feel that just getting something out of my head and putting it on paper is a way of release right and we've heard the old cliche and I say cliche, but it really does work, is putting it on paper and even just throwing it away or burning it. Or, you know, we we see that a lot in retreats and things yep. um, as a healing measure. And it's worked for me. And like you say, though, there isn't a one size fits all for everyone. You've got to kind of see, as you mentioned, where your curiosity is taking you and, um, you know, what uh, piques your interest. And that's going to change in time, too. You know, maybe some modality works for a while and then you start to get curious about another. So I think that's all excellent advice. Uh, speaking of advice, because we're running out of time, although I, I, I could see another episode of you coming on <laughs> in the like, future. <laughs> I want to come to the studio. We can yeah. do another round later. I would totally be up for that. But um, based on our conversation here today, what is it that you're hoping the audience is going to take away? I really want you who are listening to feel the innate reminder, like anything that's stirring inside of you right now and kind of waking up, pinging you, resonating. I want you to remember that's your worth and that no matter what you have been through, no matter what kind of heavy, heavy stuff you're feeling right now, your worth is intact, truly And that is the seat of your wisdom, your power, your intuition. Like you can't break it. It can't be broken. It can't be undone. There is something buried in you that is there for you. And as you start to like reacquaint yourself and remember who you are and how to own who you are, it is going to be just there ready to blossom. So I hope that's what you take. And I hope that's what this is kind of reignited because I know there's not a human on planet earth who doesn't have that innate worth lying in them sometimes quietly hidden under a few layers. And sometimes it's like vibrant and running the show but it's there and it's ready for you when you're ready for it. Mm, That's so beautiful. I love that. Now let's say somebody's listening and they want to follow you. Maybe they want to listen to your podcast. Do you have a website? How can they reach you? How do we find your podcast? Give us the deets girl. Hey, the easiest way I'll give you one site. That's all you have to remember. It's just my name, Christine Baird, Dot com. It has links to my personal podcast, Birthful Project, my blog, my business, like anything you want to know about me, just hop to christinebaird.com and it's all there. Lovely. And we'll put that in the show notes, you guys. So all you have to do is literally just click and it'll take you to where you need to go. Um, any last words before we move on to 20 questions? Mm, I'm excited about the questions. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Let's see what we got here. 
All right. So you're going to choose a number between 1 and 20. Um, 15. You're kidding me. <laughs> no, I just that just popped into my head. Okay. Number 15. <laughs> I'm showing you on the Zoom so you can see I'm not <laughs> making this up. Where's the strangest place you've ever gone potty? Oh, my gosh. I do love this. You did prep me. You're like, this might be the question you picked. But I'm showing you that's literally number 15, girl. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I promise. That's hilarious. That's Um, hilarious. Okay, I'm really trying to stretch my brain here because I've been in some interesting places. But I'm like, (laughs) did I have a weird toilet experience? Like, what was it? I think... Honestly, it might have been, um, okay, this is what came to mind. One year when I was like early in my 20s, like I had not traveled hardly at all. Some friends invited me to come to Costa Rica and it was so easy. I just like bought the plane ticket. They planned everything. And one of the nights we ended up at this, I guess you'd call it a cabin, but it was not what it appeared to be. It was so disgusting. It like smelled like pee. There were like bugs on the floor. Like we got in too late to like find another spot. So we just like put our t-shirts down on the pillows and we're like, we're just going to, you know, survive the night. And I remember having to pee in the middle of the night. And I think I didn't even have a smartphone yet. Like this was back in the days without like flashlights on your phone. So I was like stumbling to the bathroom and I was like, couldn't find the light switch. And I was literally scared. I was going to like fall into a hole. (laughs) I just remember like (laughs) peeing with like knowing there were like bugs everywhere. And I, it was such a funny moment because we'd had this amazing trip, but that night was just like a disaster. And we were laughing so hard. And I just remember like praying that I was going to like make it back to the bed and not like (laughs) face plant on like the pee stained floor or something. And it was amazing. And I made it back. Or pee on somebody. Literally, yeah. I was like, it was so dark. I didn't have a flashlight. I'm so tired. And uh, we made it through the night. So I think we're going to go with that. The Costa Rica quote unquote cabin. That is hilarious. What's even more hilarious is that you got that question. So I know (laughs) that is awesome. I want to go to Costa Rica, by the way. It's incredible. (sighs) I highly recommend it. Yeah, I need to. I thought about it. I was supposed to be in Spain and Portugal right now. Uh, and I was going to be on a cruise. So I was going to go into Spain uh, for like a week and then a cruise for 10 days through the Straits of Gibraltar. And wow. All it will happen. happen someday. Yeah. yeah, we both said it. It will happen. So it, it has to. <laughs> well, you have been so lovely. Thank you so much for joining me here on the show today. And those of you listening in, if this resonates with you at all, please be sure to, you know, like, rate, review all of the things, because the more ratings I have on this show, the more people know about it. Uh, but not only that, if you think that this could help somebody else, somebody, you know, like, oh, my gosh, this is something this person needs to hear. Share it with them. That's what this is all about. So thank you again, Christine, for speaking loud and joining me here today. And as always, be the change you wish to see in this world. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Speak Loud. If this message resonated with you, please feel free to share it with anyone you feel could use the support. To find out more information about SHARE, our movement, and to join the cause, please visit sharethemovement.org. Until next time.